This week's issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast is brought to you by Derek Chen, Richard Cachelrius, Joel Whitlin, Tyler Gibson, Jesse Ayers, Jaina Martin, David Marble, Fabian Kune, Brian Nelson, and Ryan Roger. Thank you for your contribution to the Major Spoilers cause. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Zach. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this episode, there's no Matthew, there's no intro, Rodrigo's back, and Bloom County. Major Spoilers podcast on the air. Hey everyone, welcome to issue 518 of the Major Spoilers podcast. This is the part where Yahoo! Rodrigo, there you go, you're filling in, now you're picking up. No Matthew this week, he had to work at his RWJ, had a long shift, but Rodrigo is back this week. I am. Hello. What's up? Glad you're back. Ah, thanks. You had a nice uh, little uh, time off in, in La La Land. I did, yeah. I was uh, undergoing some medical procedures. Um, apparently, it was a lot more to get them to install a holster that popped out of my leg. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I, 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 I splurged. Excellent. So you got the, uh, the plastic version instead of the titanium? Yeah, it doesn't go... When it, comes, it, just goes, <laughs> it just goes... well we're glad you're here this week Uh, later in the show bloom county uh we're going to be spending probably the rest of the month may looking at newspaper strips comic strips from oh many years ago you know next week i think we're looking at peanuts 1950 wow and then uh we'll be looking at calvin and Hobbes. uh and what else pogo if i can get some pogo there's an idw collection of pogo oh and popeye as well so we've got those coming up uh, mixing things up just a little bit, not always just comic books and that, uh, hopefully you will enjoy that as well. I know a lot of people were excited when we announced Bloom County and we'll talk more about that in just a moment, but first the news. So a couple of things this week, we had free comic book day. Uh, there are more, um, movie properties that have been returned to Marvel. And of course, Iron Man three hit theaters. We don't have to spin that wheel of destiny. Zach and I already know what we're going to talk about. And so, Rodrigo, I know you haven't seen this. Your not. your holster leg was uh, still going through some procedures. Yep. Um, but uh, we're going to go ahead and talk Iron Man 3 for a little bit. So if you don't want to be spoiled, fast forward, oh, I'll say we won't talk more than 10 minutes on this. Okay. All right? So fast forward 10 minutes, and if we're talking about something else, back up a little bit, and then back up a little bit more until you get to the part where I say the end. Although that not that the end, not that because the end. that would be the you one. Would, you would listen, and then it'd be spoiled yes. still. So the next the the end that you hear. Right. Oh, that no. Be, oh. oh, wow. Anyway. This is going to get confusing. Iron Man 3. Did you go see it opening night, Zach? I didn't. Uh, there was a weird release schedule, and it, there, uh, apparently no theater across the country did at midnight. They were all 9 o'clock, and I had prior engagements for 9 o'clock. I did not plan my schedule Homework. around. Uh, girlfriend? Yeah, girlfriend family things. Oh, okay. Uh, but no, I ended up seeing it noon on Friday. Oh, wow. Yeah. I went to nice Saturday afternoon, or Saturday evening, mm-hmm. last, last 2D show. Did you see it in 2D or 3D? 2D. Did you they like it? They the money. Did they're, you like the like movie? Iron Man? Yeah. Uh, I liked it. 
I, I thought I it was enjoyable. I it liked was en- it. It was enjoyable. It was better than two. Yes. Not touching one. Hmm. I think one's still better. I would say, you know, and still even after a couple of days, I commented on Monday that I thought that they were on par with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think they're still for me on equal. I mean, they're both really solid stories. Yeah. Um, this one um, is borrowed loosely from the extremist uh, storyline mm-hmm. uh, from Iron Man 2000, whatever it was, a few years ago when they had that. Um, so Tony Stark is having problems following the big Avengers thing. Uh, now there is a new terrorist threat that has jumped up called the Mandarin, uh, played by Ben Kingsley. Yep. And uh, he is threatening to blow up people and destroy things. And we find out that there are some super soldiers involved. And part of this extremist uh, or extremist, um, um, I don't know, it's not really a software update. It's more like a body modification, right. DNA, genetic yeah, yeah. modification. They, they mod the, there's an empty space in the brain that they, mm-hmm. is available for evolution, essentially. And, of course, Tony Stark was involved somewhat in this years ago because he met the uh, sexy scientist at a New Year's Eve party. And he mm-hmm. also met the the uh, the nerdy, dorky, cruddy scientist at that same party and shunned the cruddy scientist and of course, he uh, he returns and is looking gorgeous and handsome. Of course, uh, looks almost like a young um, what's his name, Batman uh, guy that was in Top Gun. What was his name, Rodrigo? Tom Cruise. No, 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 not Tom Cruise. Ah, oh, darn it. Um, Batman who was in Top Gun. Yes, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. He looks a lot oh, like Val Kilmer. Yeah, okay. Uh, Pierce. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Pierce in this movie is his uh, name. I'll look it up. And of course, yes, things go on in this movie and some fighty fighty ensues and um, the president gets kidnapped and they have Mm -hmm. to save him. And there's a lot of action and Tony Stark uh, loses control of his armor and he has to go to a small town in Tennessee to hide out and do some investigating where he finds out that this extremist thing is actually part of uh, the scientists uh, plot. And then this is the big cliffhanger. This is the big spoiler. This is the big moment that everyone's been waiting for. The Mandarin is not really the Mandarin. So in the comic books, and this is what I think probably upsets you the most, Zach. Yeah. The the fact that, and you really haven't read a lot of Iron Man, so I'm surprised. Um, In the comic books, the Mandarin is a magical being, right? And he can, I don't know if he can transform into a dragon or what the deal is with the dragon. He's got ten rings and... They all have different powers, some of which are very similar to each other, but, you know. Okay. Really? And they're, like, super powerful. I mean, that's these like rings the s- are, like, ridiculous in the stuff that they can do. That's real? That's, like, that actually happens in the comic? The yeah. Magic oh, rings. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They're magic, awesome. magical rings. Well, and so here's the problem, though. How do you take magic and put it into a technologically advanced Tony Stark story? How do you match magic and technology? And it's well, really, really difficult. I mean, they um, did it somewhat in Avengers... With no Thor, no, because it's explained in the Thor movie that uh, their technology is so advanced that it appears as magic to humans. Okay, uh, which is a great way to explain technology and magic, right? Sure. In this case, um, and what's the guy's name? Uh, Pierce. Oh, I'm looking up. It, his name is Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. But what's the character that he plays? Aldrich Killian. Yeah. So Aldrich Killian. Turns out that he has cracked the code working with this other uh, biologist, botanist, um, to create the extremis. And to divert everyone's attention, he has created the Mandarin. 
The Mandarin is a fictional character and that he hires some down and out actor played by Ben Kingsley to portray the Mandarin. And so all of this, all the people that are killed, all the disasters that have happened are not really the Mandarin as much as it is Killian pulling Killian's the strings behind the behind the scenes. Right. And you didn't like that. I didn't like the way they handled the reveal of Mandarin. Oh, you didn't it was like, like when he's coming out of the bathroom? No, and like, it was like, oh, don't go in there. It smells terrible. So you think you think it's just a double, which that right. would have been fine. And but how no, do you know it's not? Because he, and then he says, they say he hired him to become the Mandarin, and essentially they just gave him more drugs and right. sustained his uh, addictions, addictions mm-hmm. to play this. And so you're getting in, and it's a sequence in the movie where Tony doesn't have his armor, mm-hmm. and he's trying to get into the Mandarin's compound, and he's doing some really cool... So I, I thought that was really cool, just him breaking into the compound with stuff he, like, just rambled together, MacGyver yeah, style. Hard, from, store. Yeah, it was yeah. random stuff. And then, so you get this really cool action sequence and stuff, and then it's like, oh, hey, I'm the Mandarin, and I just like to drink, and all these yeah. women are playing ping pong. And I was like, what the crap? I, I just, I thought it was well handled. I thought, if you're gonna do it, and you're going to divert it enough from the comic books, that was a way to do it. Now, I know a lot of, now here's the thing, a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of comic book fans are going to be, but that's not the way it is in the comic. How dare right. you, you've ruined the Mandarin, who is a, Rodrigo, right, a very popular character? Well, he, he kind of got pegged as the Iron Man villain, like the way that, you know, Batman has the Joker and Spider-Man has uh, either, you know, the Green Goblin uh, usually the Green Goblin, actually. You know, he's kind of that guy that Iron Man fights. Um, largely cemented, I think, because of the cartoons. Because there have mm-hmm. been several cartoons with uh, of Iron Man. And usually the Mandarin is behind it, whatever it is. Right. Um, and so as a, I, I, I don't know, I guess any number of people could come up later and say that use the Mandarin guys and... There's a number of ways to work around that. I did not mind that at all. Now, I, did, again, I did think it was funny at the end when he was talking to all the reporters. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. And it was like, oh, hello. Thank you for coming. And, I, and I, I really I think it's funny to a point, but I just thought it was kind of lame. I guess uh, the, the bigger problem that I had beyond the Mandarin bit was the fact that Tony Stark is presumed dead after the after his house falls into the ocean. Yeah. And yet, how is he buying all of this equipment at the hardware store? Yeah. How is he traveling around... <laughs> He's not using cash because, mm-hmm. uh, as far as I know, the Iron Man suits Doesn't do not work. have a uh, uh, you know a cash. large uh, cash uh, deposit. So someone would notice that his credit card right. is being used. There's a there, there's a couple plot holes in the oh, movie. A couple, yeah. I mean, oh, so at the end, uh, not a spoiler because they put it in the trailer, much like all the other cool stuff of him calling in all the suits. Right. So he cu- he's in Florida. Right. Calls in all of his suits from California. Right. But when his, house is, when his house is being attacked by a helicopter and his entire world is being shattered, what, why doesn't say, hey, hey, people underneath my feet? What's Because uh, what, they're buried what, under the rubble. What stopped it? They were that's, still kind that's, of that's buried That's why he rubble. was asking, had, had they started removal of the debris from his house so he could open up that port and get them all there. But I agree with you. And that's how do they get there so quickly? Is, they got there fast. It's pretty quick as fast. well. Fast. Um, so going back to the... And again, I know people are very passionate about their characters, and that's great. Yeah. I'd be the, I'm oftentimes the same way with, with Batman and, and Superman and those kind of things. But one only has to look at the box office receipts. In the U.S., $175 million opening weekend. Big. $600 million worldwide. 
closing in, I bet this movie hits a billion dollars this weekend. Next, this, this weekend. And this weekend, it'll hit a billion dollars, meaning it's more profitable than the Avengers movie in the month that it was out, mm-hmm. right? So that means there are more people interested in seeing Tony Stark in the movies than they are reading Tony Stark in the comic books. And I don't fault the studio for changing things up. No. Now, personally, well, if I were and, and, go and, ahead. We've, and we've talked about that a lot before that, you know, there's always going to be people that are like, well, it wasn't that way in the comics. But I mean, just in the Marvel, you know, canon, um, they've changed so many things and right. they've like smushed together different things that, you know, it's to the point that it does. Like, I think most of the people that are like, but it wasn't that way in the comics have now sobbed themselves to death. <laughs> <laughs> Or come around to be like, eh, you know, actually, this had a little bit of, you know, the demon in a bottle and a little bit of armor war. So, yeah, right, I'm down right, right. with it. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, the one plot point that I really didn't care for was the Pepper Potts getting uh, injected with the Extremis or the Extremis stuff and yeah. surviving the fall. Yeah. I mean, she had a cool action sequence after that, but I was yeah, just like, eh, she could have died and I would have been okay with that. I was expecting someone to die. I honestly, yeah. I was expecting someone to die. And I thought, I mean, Pepper... But then, when, as you're watching her die, mm-hmm. it's like, well, she's she not such a quick cutaway that you're not know gonna wasn't. die. Yeah, yeah. And then the big swing of the pipe, Mike Pepper. Yeah, yeah. like, was, oh look, it's Pepper. Yeah. So that I mean, that was okay, but I right. was just, eh. So the other big thing that has a lot of people talking about is Tony Stark has his um, electromagnet removed from mm-hmm. his chest, and a lot of people are like, well, that's how he powers the Iron Man suits. Well, it was already shown throughout the movie that the Iron Man suits are pretty much self-powered. Yeah, they don't really need it. Uh, and so people are wondering, oh, what does that mean? to Tony Stark and, and Iron Man in the next Avengers movie or in another Iron Man movie. Uh, at the end of the credits, um, it comes up and uh, it does say Tony Stark will oh, return. Right. Now, and that's kind of a very James Bondy way to do it. Uh, yeah. But too bad they didn't say in what. Because, you know, in uh, the James Bond movies, they say James Bond will return in Quantum of Solace mm-hmm. or Never Say Never. And uh, here they Tony just Stark, say Tony Stark, Tony will, Stark return. will return in uh, Tony Stark versus the Crime Syndicate. Oh, that would be awesome, <laughs> wouldn't it? And then they all do a march across the uh, yeah. the uh, dried out canals of uh, of Los Angeles. Yep. That's a book group bonsai reference, Zach. Yeah, Go look it, it up. Um, and then, uh, of course, you got a lot of people at the end scene were not uh, – Overly impressed, but I thought it was a nice little way oh, to I tie thought, everything together. Awesome. You got a little Hulk reference in there, which mm-hmm. I thought was good. Um, the only other thing that I would have, I was kind of hoping for, but I'm still okay with, was the kid. I was really hoping that that would have, the kid's name would have been Amadeus Cho or um, mm-hmm. Rick. Uh, what's what's the Rick? Uh, what's Rick's name? Flair? Um, no, not Rick Flair. Yes, Rick Flair. <laughs> I really hope he would have ripped off his shirt and started giving the smackdown to Tony Stark. Now, what's the what's the other smart kid's name in um, in the Marvel universe? Uh, uh, Franklin Richards. No, um, dang it, he was in the first Avengers comic. He's part of the. He's dang it, somebody old. Somebody old. Matthew. Yeah. Hank Pym. No, 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 no. I'll I'll look it up. You guys uh, chat about. Tell me your final thoughts on this movie. Okay, so. After talking about it with some other friends, um, I've realized that much like a detective series, I know that Steven's talked about this a lot, how now that we are in a, such a highly digital age and everything's portable, that the suspense of a detective having to make it to a phone booth to make a phone call or someone getting lost in the woods is kind of uh, lessened now that we all have cell phones and can contact anyone essentially at any time, uh, which happened in Iron Man because now that you've established all of these superheroes uh, know each other and have worked together in Avengers 
the the fact that a, th- a threat as major as kidnapping the president and blowing up citizens across America is not drawing attention of Captain America, Hawkeye, mm-hmm. Black Widow, Hulk, who is shown in the end credits, so he's aware of the situation. And anyone else, Thor, because in the Thor trailer he comes back to Earth, the fact that they don't even address that or that they're not included in the movie at all kind of lessens it because you know that they are there and they should be helping on this. And that was kind of another sticking point, but it was fun. A lot of great special effects. I really did like the extremist effect of their body glowing. I thought that looked really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of cool. I like that. Rick Jones. That's who I've been thinking of. The Hulk sidekick. Yes. He's smart. Well, (laughs) depending, I guess. On where you're looking for, but I was hoping for Amadeus Cho. I kept waiting for this for him to say, "Hey, kid, yeah. what's your name?" Amadeus. Oh, okay, and then just go on from there. Kid was a good actor, I thought. Yeah. Um. Overall, I I enjoyed this movie. I mean, if I had to give it uh, on a five star rating, I would give it a three and a half. There were parts where I felt a little bored, mm-hmm. um, but overall, I enjoyed it a lot, uh, and I really want to see it again. Now, I'm not going to go to the theater to see it again, no. but I thought it was uh, still a very solid movie, and I would encourage people to go out and check it out. So that's, of course, we've spoiled it all for you, uh, unless you've seen it. But you can use the comment section over at Majorspoilers.com and share your thoughts on that again. We did give you a spoiler warning, and now, the end. Okay, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com and check out a bunch of other things. This week, check this out, Rodrigo. We have a cool contest going on with Fangoria Magazine. Are you familiar with Fangoria? I am. Uh, Fangoria has a new DVD line called Fangoria Presents. And right now they have five movies. Um, I guess some of them are original DVD releases of some horror movies. And I know a lot of our fans are horror movie fans. So all this week they are sponsoring not only our poll of the week, which we'll get to here shortly, but also our question of the day. So we have horror type questions each day this week. We want you to go into the comments section and, uh, Answer the question, and then we will go through and we will pick out the best answer, and then we will send that over to Fangoria, and they will send you a DVD of one of these uh, horror movies. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. Go check it out at Majorspoilers.com and Fangoria.com or FangoriaPresents.com. Let me double check that. Yeah, Fangoria.com slash presents is what it is. Sorry about that. It's, it's oh no, a werewolf is eating my leg.com. Ah, so they've got a they have inhuman resources, axed, sin reaper, entity, germ Z. So I think you're going to get a little bit of everything in those uh, five movies that they have. Uh, also, for Doctor Who fans, as we get closer to revealing the name of the doctor, a lot of people are wondering just what is it with this doctor guy? Who is this doctor? And a good longtime friend of major spoilers, Stacy. Uh, uh, Bauer, B? Stacey yep. B, uh, sat down and wrote a rather lengthy but interesting uh, thoughts on who is the Doctor. So he's got four different theories regarding the Doctor. You can check them out over at Majorspoilers.com. And we want to thank everyone who's been part of Majorspoilers.com. You get your name shouted out at the top of the show, sometimes pronounced correctly, sometimes incorrectly, sometimes by Matthew, sometimes <laughs> by other members of the Major Spoilers crew. But we want to thank everyone who has become a donor over the last couple of months. And yes, we are growing slowly, slowly, slowly to funding our uh, funding goat. When we hit that, we will have a uh, members-only website that opens up. And actually, we're going to open up that member site, I'm going to guess, within the next month. I keep saying in the next month, but mm-hmm. one of the things we're going to put in that members-only site, even before we reach our goal, 
is a special members only podcast. It's a movie commentary podcast. It's not Zach on film. It's something totally different where you can sit down and listen to us talk while you're watching the movie. Um, but then we have some other shows that once we hit that 100% of our funding goat, even more stuff will be uh, accessible and open to you. But I'm still trying to tweak a little bit of code. I got the look all laid down, but uh, that will be over at members.majorspoilers.com. For our VIPs, for our friends, you can find out more about how you can join uh, in this cause by clicking on the Major Spoilers funding goat icon over at majorspoilers.com. Anything else you want to add, Zach? No, just uh, I, I should point out support. that... That we have so far. I should point out, Zach is graduating soon. He's going to need yes. a job. We can make uh, Major Spoilers his full-time job. Rodrigo well, works for PBS. Need I say more? We're, we're hoping that I graduate. Stephen is still convinced that I, I would be back next semester. Uh, you might be. You might be. Let us get to some... Excuse me. <laughs> Let us get to some reviews. <laughs> ah, I was so choked up over Zach possibly not uh, graduating. Oh. Matthew is I out this week. Um... Why don't we start with you with Dream Thief number one from Dark Horse Comics? Right. So Dream Thief number one is a comic style book about a guy who is not, he's actually not a very likable guy, but um, he gets drunk and he cheats on his girlfriend and then the next day he goes to hang out with his friend at an like uh, at a museum because his friend is like famous and then he steals an aboriginal mask and then the next day he kills his girlfriend and then the next day he kills someone else is basically the plot of this comic what <laughs> yes exactly um the mask is probably magic. There is an ongoing kind of monologue by the main character's dad. I mean, like kind of hinting at the fact that the dad was doing this before. Mm -hmm. um, the mask looks cool. It looks like an awesome wrestling mask. Um, and... Um, the comic doesn't tell you that, but the solicitation kind of spoils the uh, kind of what's going on. So if you want to know what's going on, I guess, check the check the material surrounding the book. Um, but I'm sure within the next issue, we'll find out exactly what it is. Uh, art wise, it's pretty good. It's consistent. It's easy to tell who the characters are. Um, there are moments when he is remembering what he did, where like we see things and like this like black and red, like wavy panels that kind of match the style of the mask and things like that. Um, there's a point when he beats up some potheads it's interesting i'm not crazy about the way that they just kind of go from one murder to the next it really mm. felt like they really wanted to get through the exposition right or through like the mystery part of it a little too fast um but they also it's like the this book could have ended when he kills his girlfriend and then it keeps going and he does it again. You know, like that was a perfectly legitimate cliffhanger, mm -hmm. but they blew right over it and went to another cliffhanger, which is actually less impactful in my opinion. I mean, there's more bodies, but it's not as interesting. So, you know, eh, I'm kind of 
lukewarm on that. The premise of it is interesting. I recommend that uh, if people like stuff like Rassel, I mean, I'm not necessarily. Uh, I mean, it's it's er, it's too early to tell where this is going. But if you like stuff like Rassel or maybe Thief of Thieves and stuff like that, you might actually enjoy uh, Dream Thief. Okay. What's uh, what kind of a rating? How's the how's the art? Uh, the art is pretty decent. I was uh, I'm I enjoyed the art. Uh, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it two and a half slices of meatloaf. I think it does a fine job of telling its story, but it uh, kind of takes a flying leap at the next chapter rather than taking its time, I think. Oh, okay. All right. And when does that come out? Is that out already? Or that it... comes out, I want to say on the 15th. Okay, so a couple of weeks away. Yeah. All right, so I Was have... I not supposed to spoil things? No, no, you can do that. I mean, we, okay. they don't want to go into huge spoilers. I mean, we kind of... Name of the show is Major Spoilers, and we said spoilers <laughs> earlier on this show. I'm going to go into a book that doesn't come out for a couple of months now. It's now wow. in the current issue of previews. It is Skyward from, um, what's his name? Jeremy Dale, Jeremy Dale dot, Jeremy hyphen Dale.com. It's released through Action Lab Entertainment, and this is a uh, fantasy. A fantasy setting world, uh, you know, kind of like what you would see. And, and to be honest, it reminded me a lot of the series Telos, which we've reviewed on the site mm-hmm. before uh, and on the podcast before. This tells the story of a young boy, Quinn, living out in the countryside with his big, beefy father. And um, his father is a pretty tough guy as they're coming back from a fishing trip. he uh, There's a giant uh, tree hog that is uh, gone rabid, and his father gives him gives the tree hog a punch in the head and knocks him out with one punch. Um, we get to meet uh, Quinn's uh, rather sexy mother uh, and uh, see what a quaint little life it is living out in the countryside. And everything seems to be all well and good until Corrin shows up. And Corrin is, we can tell just from his appearance, evil. Leather and fur and dark colors, bald head, mustachioed, everything you would expect in a villain. And uh, he is trying to convince the father that he needs to come back into the king's army. So apparently, uh, Quinn's father was once a great warrior, and Corrin wants him to come back into the army. Um, Mother and son go into the house while Corrin tries to convince um, convince Quinn's father to uh, to join him, and um, Quinn slips out of the house, I don't know why, to go do something, to take care of his dog, who's barking, and then Corrin's evil henchmen go in and burn the house. Uh, killing uh, his mother and Corrin thinking the son as well, so that the father has no reason not to get back into the army and uh, fight with the king. Little do we know, while um, uh, Quinn is watching all of this from the um, from the forest, and there's some fighty-fighty, and someone gets killed, and Quinn is on the run with his dog. And it's a pretty good issue. Now, again, I'm spoiling this months ahead of the release. So by then, you're probably going to forget about this. But this is a really good book. And um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, The art is really good. It's got some great coloring. Um, But there are some times where it gets a little wonky. I think the biggest disadvantage, like I said, is it feels a lot like Telos. Um, And I think it kind of falls into the, oh, what's the word? The trope of this kind of a story. So mm-hmm. while it is really good and while it is um, interesting, and I'm interested to see 
how this book does when it does come out. Again, this is from Action Lab Entertainment. Mm. Um, I think those two things, the little bit of wonkiness in the art at times and the uh, the tropiness of, of the story. Now, a boy and his dog on the own trying to uh, escape from the evil Corrin, I think could end up hurting the series as it goes on. But I like this enough to give it three and a half slices of meatloaf. Go order it in previews now. Get it on the digitals when it comes out on the digitals. Uh, definitely check it out. That's Skyward from uh, Jeremy Dale. And now, Zach. Awesome. What you got? I have Masks and Mobsters number seven. That's from, from Monkey Brain? Monkey Brain Comics. Is that out this week? It came out last week. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. And Masks and Mobsters has been one of my favorite titles uh, from Monkey Brain so far in the last year. Uh, I wasn't completely caught up when I read this issue, but I immediately went back and I skipped uh, one issue. So, isn't completely needed to read this story. So, if you haven't, if you're not completely caught up on Max and Mobsters, or uh, if you want to read this for the first time, uh, you'll probably get a feel of, a nice feel of what the story is. Is this, is and what's this happening. a jumping on point? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that. There is, uh,. One big thing in the first, it comes back in the first issue is referenced. Um, okay. So what happens in this issue is, um, in the and in, in the first issue, we were introduced to a lot of uh, different mob characters and the different families, and eventually, what happens is you're introduced to that there's superheroes in this world, and they wear masks, and this one uh, young gangster ended up killing, uh, oh, Doctor Daylight, and kind of set off this wave of the masks trying to take revenge on all the mobsters in the city. So this, the gangster that shot Dr. Daylight, another mobster are meeting up and they're having a conversation on the hill and they're talking about, uh, what's happening with the families. And now that since the masks are coming at for them, they have all bonded together and that did they realize by coming after us, they were actually going to make us stronger and talking more about trying to get, uh, Bobby to fix the situation because the masks, are willing to essentially kill the mobsters. They're not, they're not the uh, pristine superheroes that people are used to, uh, used to reading. That they they will uh, they will they will kill them if they have the chance. So they're trying to get uh, the killer to fess up and make everything right. And so that's happening in the entire background. So what happens in this comic with the art is that every page besides the last one, with the last three panels. Is set up in a three-panel format with the exact same framing. The two mobsters are meeting on the back of the hill, and they're essentially in shadow the entire time with the, the tree casting a shadow on top of them. But in the foreground, there is a picnic happening between a young lady and a young man. And the story that unfolds there is no dialogue happens. It's essentially, it's all the story is told all through the art. Uh, they're meeting up, and it's it comes a, apparent that this this man is abusive to the woman. He hits her twice in the issue. And Ooh, when good. when she tries to go back, he hits her again, and she has poured them champagne at this point, and he's trying to apologize at first, and she kind of says, "Oh, it's okay." Apparently, this is you can you get the feeling like this is something that's happened before, and she just she just kind of shrugs it off. He takes a drink of his champagne, he chokes, she packs her things up calmly, pours out the rest of the champagne, calmly spits on him, and then walks away. And so that's all happening in the foreground of the comic and the art as the conversation in the background is happening, it made for a completely just uh, uh, entertaining story throughout the entire, because you get these two cool. completely different storylines. And it does end, and you get a shot of the 
uh, mobster the close up, and one of the masked superheroes is coming right for him. So it was a nice ending. And this series is is really great, and it's kind of, uh, especially the last issue, kind of starting to deconstruct superheroes and what they're willing to do and what makes us uh, a hero and stuff. And it kind of continues on uh, with the background story and the foreground story. So I really enjoy this series. This is a this is a this is a four and a half slice of meatloaf book. Wow. Very short. Um, so how many pages? I believe this is ten pages. Really? Yeah. Interesting. It's a very short story, but uh, you're getting a lot in it. It's only ninety nine cents. Oh so yeah, that's I nice. mean that's a plus. Yeah, that is nice. But you know, I guess I'm. I don't know. There's a bunch of arguing going on back and forth among people. Um, oh, sorry. This is thirteen pages. Thirteen pages. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of arguing going on back and forth among people online about what is that price point? What should comics be selling at? And if you price something below a dollar, does that cheapen it? Uh, does that make people feel uh, like they're getting something less or of lesser quality because it's so inexpensive? Mm-hmm. But then you throw in 13 pages as opposed to 18 or 20, then it does seem like I'm being kind of ripped off a little bit or not. I don't know. Um, I mean, 99 cents is a great is a great deal. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, to find out that it's not a full... 18 or 20 pages is some Masks of a and Mobsters usually runs uh, a little short. I think the last issue was 19. Issue 5 looks to be like it was 13 as well. Mm, okay. So, not it's not not huge issues, but I think they're uh who's the writer? Joshua Williams, Williamson and Mike Henderson is generally on the art. Uh they're able to tell a, a generally a completed story in every issue mm-hmm. it is it is a crime anthology oh okay and so there is a lot of different storylines going on it's not like, uh i mean there's a general flow of what's happening in the city but it's not same characters every time and but they are able to tell like a completed story in that amount of pages so i i think this is completely worth 99 cents even if you think that 13 pages isn't enough for it okay no i'm not saying it's not i'm just saying these are the arguments that people are saying oh I, yeah i know i feel like 99 cents is a steal and certainly what monkey brain is putting out yeah uh at 99 cents is, is a great deal okay three comic books for your thought this week for you to think about yes maybe go out and pick up or order or do whatever if you want to find out and read some more reviews you can head over to majorspoilers.com if you want to buy something that you uh, have seen us talk about in the past maybe you want to go buy the first collection the uh, volume one of bloom county collected you can click on that amazon.com link and that will take you over to Amazon. You can buy the product, same price, same shipping, all that stuff. Just a little bit comes our way, helps us out. All right. I, I keep waiting for somebody to jump in here. Maybe, maybe it'll be Rodrigo. No? What, what's happening? What's what's happening right now? Well, if that part is it of the... A, is it a time? Yes. Oh. Time for what? I don't know. Ugh. I don't really know. Zach. I'm just Major spoilers poll of the week. Oh... This kid, Zach, I tell you, he's got a lip on him. Or, uh, Rodrigo, he's got a lip on him. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Matthew did did tweet me before the show started and said to be awesome and stuff. I think his words well, were we're trying waiting. to be funny, but... We're waiting oh, for snap. both. I'm, I'm waiting, too. Snap. We're waiting for both. Okay, so as I mentioned a little bit ago, this week over at Majorspoilers.com, the question of the day 
and our poll of the week are tied into Fangoria Magazine's uh, new Fangoria Presents, a film, series, a film series selected by Fangoria for horror fans. What you need to do is, or in this case, the poll of the week, cast your vote and then use the comment section to share your thoughts. And then the best comment will win a DVD of one of the films in the series as seen on the Fangoria Presents website. Unfortunately, we want everybody to vote and comment. The contest is only open to U.S. residents. Ah. Okay. So way back a long time ago, back in the, I don't know, mid to late 90s, I remember this big to-do about a movie that they found this footage. Apparently some movie kids, like Zach maybe, had gone into the woods to make a documentary, and they were never heard from again until this film was found and we got to see them live out their final days on the screen as something horrible happened to them. Uh, I'm talking about the uh, Blair Witch Project. And that was my introduction to this found footage genre, although there have been some stuff before uh, Blair Witch that was basically found footage. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the concept is something has happened. We found a recording of the events and we're seeing it from the point of view of whoever was running the camera at the time. Yeah. And of course, Blair, Witch scared the crap out of a lot of people. I think once people found out it was fake, maybe it wasn't as scary, but uh, it certainly but, made a lot of money. Still, still as nauseating. Yeah. 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 A lot of people thought it was real. Oh yeah. 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 Really? Yeah. They That's didn't, awesome. they, they really didn't go out of their way to say it wasn't. And really the publicity around it kind of make it, made it seem like it was. Really? The sci-fi think, channel had a special mm-hmm. called what is the Blair witch? Meaning uh-huh. that they, they tied into this yeah. gimmick of the marketing where they created this fake like documentary to say, well, what is this Blair witch? And they gave history of the bell witch and the Blair witch. And they were talking all these different storylines uh-huh. and they're like, and in this new movie, you get to find out more about the Blair Witch. And so a lot of people just <laughs> bought into it. And if you do, if you do, why have you ever uh, watched it? No, I never have. So if you do, uh, well, maybe you've seen some of the other movies on the list yeah, this week. Um, like Apollo 18 or Paranormal Activity. Mm-hmm. Um, people can get drawn into that if they yeah. think that it's real and if it's done right. Yeah. So the poll of the week this week is which found footage horror film is your favorite? And we have the last broadcast, The Blair Witch Project, Quarantine... Uh, Diary of the Dead, Paranormal Activity, The Fourth Kind, The Last Exorcism, Troll Hunter, Apollo 18, Cloverfield, or Other. So, Rodrigo, what about you? Did you have? Is there a favorite on this list, or is there an other that you should uh, talk about and share? No, there. Probably my favorite one is on the list. Um, there's a lot of these that I haven't seen. Actually, I haven't seen the last broadcast. Matthew's talked seen. about it a lot on the show. I haven't seen uh, quarantine, uh, and I actually haven't seen par- I, I haven't seen any of the paranormal activity movies. But anyway, my favorite one probably is Cloverfield, um, for two reasons. One, it's a giant monster movie that is actually scary. Yeah, um, and that is largely accomplished because of the point of view of the characters. You know, when you see Godzilla. At eye level, basically destroying a city, you might say, oh, that is cool, but you're not like, oh, that's scary. Right. But when you're seeing it in, you know, all its shaky cam glory, it's it's a lot more intimidating. Um, and the other thing is that they got around a lot of the um, a lot of the issues of 
you know, what do you do when you need to tell a different part of the story, but you can't mm-hmm. get away from the point of view of the camera mm-hmm. um, in that, you know, the, uh, these, this character was taping over another piece of tape. So when he advances it, we get to see what was previously on the tape, which gives us a little bit of exposition on the characters, mm-hmm. uh, which, which I thought was really cool, um, as opposed to some others, which then, you know, really f- try, really start cheating Right. To to be able to tell more parts of the story. So for me, Cloverfield, just because of what it accomplishes mm-hmm. um, rather than anything else. And, you know, when I saw Blair Witch, um, you know, it was like in a fully lit room and I already knew yeah, that it yeah. wasn't. So, so you know, but I, but I saw Cloverfield in the theater and I went in maybe the second week it was out and I specifically wasn't listening to spoilers and stuff about it. So maybe that had a big, uh, that's the reason why that had a bigger impact. Mm, okay. I guess, um, you know, for me, there are a lot of, of good ways to do um, the found footage genre. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I didn't really think Cloverfield as a horror movie, but so many other people listed as a horror movie. So I was like, well, I'll put it on the list. Um, some people had put Chronicle on the list and you were talking about there are so many found footage movies that fail because they divert away from it and chronicle while it's a really good movie the last 20 minutes of the movie totally not found footage because there are camera angles that can't be possible there's things that you just couldn't see or hear Mm -hmm. if it was truly shot with people with mobile phones and all these kinds of things so um but some people put uh, in the others uh, category put um chronicle down there are some good movies on this list i've not seen the last broadcast but uh um, this was a, I think a BBC production that they had done, uh, one yeah. year. Oh. um, quarantine. I haven't got around to seeing yet. Diary of the dead is a, a George Romero, a zombie thing. Paranormal activity. For some reason I have them, but I don't want to watch them yet because it may just creep me out too much. <laughs> Same yeah, way with actually, the, I haven't yeah. seen the fourth. I think we've talked about this. I haven't seen yeah, the yeah. fourth kind because my girlfriend is terrified of alien movies. Um, so we got to like get have a have a major spoiler slumber party there no girls allowed then the next morning my wife were like i thought you said no girls were allowed all i heard was girlish screaming all night <laughs> yeah. yeah. uh, i have watched apollo 18 and it's not bad um but it, again it kind of has some problems with hey we were running footage the entire time that the apollo 18 was going mission was going on and we know what happened up on the moon and it's horrifying and that's why we can't go back and it, it was interesting in a few spots, but overall I found it rather boring. Mm. The one that I really, really, and I didn't like Cloverfield just because of the sheer, hey, let's just make this as shaky as we possibly can kind of thing. <laughs> um, the one thing that I did like about Cloverfield, though, is when they're down in the subway tunnel and they're like, oh, man, we can't see. Hey, turn on your your night vision on the uh, camera and they turn it on. You see all the little creepy crawly crab yeah. critters coming at people. That was pretty that was good. Pretty cool. The one that I did pick, though, is a, what is it, a Norwegian or Scandinavian movie called Troll mm-hmm. Hunter. Oh, yeah. And I this really wanted is, to see this. You, it's on iTunes. you got to see this. Yeah. It's actually on Netflix, I think too. it's on Netflix, too, yeah. Oh, this is a great movie because they do not stop the found footage bit. Uh, mm-hmm. What happens is these kids, I forget how they get into the situation, but they run into this guy who is a troll hunter hired by the government to go keep trolls in line and they just end up keep following him around until the guy's like okay fine i'll tell you my story and they go out and they 
watch him hunting trolls. And we get introduced to all the mythological types of trolls that you'd find in Scandinavian culture, mm -hmm. um, mythology, and how he deals with them until the very end when they meet a giant mountain troll. Oh. And what's cool is it's all found footage, so you know it's shaky, but the CG work in this is brilliant. Really? I mean, it is brilliant. It is so good that you can't tell where the real is and where the fake is in this. Um, just really good from start to finish. I think that given the incidents that happen in the movie where one of their um, film partners dies, I don't think that they react correctly unless they're in shock, in which case I might see that. But they're just like, oh, okay, so he died. Let's go see some more trolls. And the movie continues on for another hour almost after one of the characters dies as they're chasing down wow. these other trolls. But it's a really, really well done movie. And it does have some scary parts to it. Um, but that got my vote as what found footage horror film is, is my favorite is, the, uh, is certainly the troll hunter. What about you, Zach? Well, see, here's the problem with this poll of the I week. I don't watch is horror movies because they scare me. That is the complete and utter truth. I'd, I I went through a stage in high school where I was cool and I liked being scared and stuff. I thought it was cool. And then I realized I just it's it's terrifying. Like, I can't sleep. Oh, you got yourself so scared? I was that way yeah. when I was young, too. I yeah. was like, I would never... I mean, I wouldn't even watch Alien or Aliens or anything that had anything. Mm -hmm. Amityville Horror as a kid, when it played on regular over-the-air broadcast freaked me the heck out yeah. and couldn't sleep for a week. That was when I was like, I don't know, eight or nine or something. Um, but then when I did get into high school, I was like, you know what? I'm going to scare myself. Mm -hmm. And so That's I'd wait until it's a big, dark and stormy night, my parents and everybody's yeah. out of the house, and I'd watch, you know, The yeah. Omen or something like that and just be like, ah! <laughs> Which I, I've kind of found myself, I kind of want to do that now. But I, for this list... The only movie I've actually seen is Cloverfield, and I, yeah, I wouldn't. There was some definitely some. I would say some scary parts, but overall, I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't lump it into a horror film. But if that's what we're gonna go with, that's that was my vote. I really liked what uh, Rodrigo said about the whole taping over the bits and getting to see stuff that happened before mm -hmm. the whole mm -hmm. the whole place went to the yeah. pot. That and and cool. looking at our comments here, some other people actually pointed it out. As well. Mm -hmm. uh, Russell Katz says there's a Canadian film called Pontypool that was released in 2009. Uh, voted for The Last Exorcism, says Mark, uh, because he thought it really meant The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which is kind of a different movie. Um, but he did say that The Troll Hunter was a, was a good one. Um, Blair Witch is what Cat Halo said. Troll Hunter said uh, Hezzy. The family movies of vacations and past Christmases my in-laws make us watch every Christmas. <laughs> says Smart <laughs> Man um, let's see. Mm. Drop Dead Gorgeous is what this person says. Cannib Cannibal Holocaust is one that's just flat out disturbing, says Kirby. Uh, Troll Hunter says Andreas is super great. Um, Ryan says, as a fan of horror, I've yet to find any found footage movies that I've liked. They pretty much fail to ever explain or show anything and lean on jump scares, which, you know, I guess if you're going into, I mean, a found footage thing, you're never going to find out exactly what happened because you're only getting a piece of that perspective, right? right. I mean, you're not going to have long expositions where the scientist is like, well, now, as we can see in this shot, the creature was 15 stories tall and was covered in parasites, which attacked the civilian populace, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, nobody, I don't think, put District 9 down, which starts out as a found footage 
movie, yeah, but then does. halfway through flips over into a narrative film. I really like that. That was a good That's one. That's a good movie. Um, mm. You don't uh, like that? No. It, it has its problems. Um, and I guess my problem with that movie was that when I went and saw it, everyone just went like badass crazy over all the over the top violence. Oh. But I was like, oh my God, this is like racism and yeah, yeah, totally. everything that's bad about that. Um, Chris says that he enjoyed the movie Wreck uh, for like Record. Um, Record is actually a Spanish film that Quarantine remade for U.S. audiences. Had to go with Blair Witch, said Derek. Uh, Alicia says Cloverfield. I'm also going to say Chronicle, says R. Puffer. Marco says a found of uh, paranormal activity. VHS was pretty great. I've heard that's really good. So it looks like a lot of people said Cloverfield. Rodrigo, what did everybody vote for so far? Let's see. Uh, it looks like Cloverfield is actually ahead with 39% of the vote, mm-hmm. um, followed by Blair Witch with 21% of the vote, and then everybody else is fighting it between 1% and 10%, or the last broadcast, which is right now at 0%, but I'm guessing that's because it is A, old, and B, British. Yeah, and probably is very hard to find. Probably. Cool. Well, listeners, we're not picking anyone right now for the winner. We're letting these uh, questions and polls uh, in the comment section stay open for several days. So over the next couple of days, watch the comment section. If you haven't entered, go ahead and enter, share your comments and thoughts. You'll know who we pick as the winner and when that contest closes, uh, because Matthew will be picking some, I'll be picking some, and we will let people know in that uh, comment section. So go get to it. You like that? You like? Uh, I kind of like that. Fangoria was like, "Hey, can we do something with you guys?" And oh yeah, yeah awesome. give away some movies. Like, That's and, really cool. And I was like, hey, "Okay, we'll make the question of the day." We like people to comment, and uh, so good, good times, good times for all. Uh, speaking of good times, we have a little thing called Bloom County. At least the first two years of Bloom County to look at. We're going to do that here in just a moment. But first, let's listen to Cat Halo, uh, Slappy. Uh, I think smarking out Adam and maybe one more person calling in with their thoughts on Iron Man. Then when we come back, we will be getting to uh, to Bloom County. So stick around. Greetings and salutations, major spoilers. Cat Halo, back again. I hope everybody enjoyed Iron Man 3, and I encourage everyone to leave your comments on the flick in the comment section of my review on Majorspoilers.com. All that being said, I don't really have any movie thoughts to speak of this week. Instead, I will regale you with the tale of my free comic book day. Free comic book day was actually a great day. I rocked into town with my wonderful and understanding wife. She did her thing while I went to the two comic book stores that I like. I got my books, but I didn't get the Atomic Robo free comic, which I was actually really looking forward to. There was a pretty cool-looking Poison Ivy cosplay girl in Forbidden Planet, which was rather pleasant. There were also cupcakes and the like with superhero crests and stuff as toppings. This was all very cool. The shop was much busier than normal with quite a few kids and girls in the shop, which I assure you is not usually the case. I followed that up by having a few mates over to my house later on for a couple of drinks. As it was May the 4th, we put on Star Wars in the background. When that was done, we followed it up by playing Injustice Gods Amongst Us. Now, we're quite a nerd-savvy group, and there were a good eight or nine of us there, including three or four girls, and everybody really enjoyed the game. We didn't play the story version, but the one-on-one two-player battles were really, really fun. 
Keep in mind I utterly suck at games, and even I was victorious, with a surprisingly badass Aquaman. All in all, it was a damn fine, nerd-filled, free comic book day, and I hope everybody else had a fun day too. When next I speak to you, I will have seen and hopefully have reviewed the new Star Trek movie, Into Darkness. In the meantime, check out my Facebook page, Cat Halo Movies, and follow me on the Twitters, at Cat Halo Movies. And, you know, while you're at it, have a go at the major spoilers forum, because there's always good fun to be had there. So, that'll do it for this week. Have a great week, guys, and thank you very much. Good day there, gentlemen. It's a Swappy. And just a couple of comments. First off, um, young Zach, I cannot say that I blame you for getting lost in... On your way back from Oklahoma, I guess uh, is how it should be said, considering the fact that, as I know it, Kansas has such a beautiful, lovely, and diverse uh, set of scenery as you're driving through it. It's one of those states It's like, okay, 10 minutes, and it's something completely different. Another 10 minutes, and it's like, wow. So... I can understand you going gaga over just viewing the beautiful heartland. Now, with regards to uh, Mr. Schleicher's uh, fandom of Red Panda, I was just wondering if, with the Red Panda, you have uh, been fond or really delved into the Sandman Mystery Theater from the, I guess it's primarily from the 1990s, uh, published by... uh, DC Comics under its Vertigo imprint, because that is one where it's extremely pulpy. Not too pulpy, because I like my pulp even like without a lot of pulp, because you get too much pulp and it gets in your teeth and everything like that. But that being said, it is very pulpy, and the art style itself isn't for everybody right away. I'll absolutely take that, but it seems to fit the whole uh, idea of what's going on in there. So that might be something that, as a group, you may wish to uh, look into. Sandman Mystery Theater, absolutely. Have a good day. Hey, guys, it's Adam again, back with another review of a webcomic, because, you know, they are free. This one is based on an old Namco video game uh, by the same name, which I never played, uh, Wonder Momo. This comic is written by Eric Coe and Jim Zub and is drawn by Omar Dogen. Uh, this comic follows a girl who is the daughter of the original Wonder Momo from the video game, who was a hero who used a powered suit to fight aliens or some such. Uh, like I said, I didn't play the game. The daughter, Momoko, the character from the comic, gets a hold of a suit of her own and starts kicking alien butt as well. The catch is that the suits have a countdown timer, and so after only a few minutes, she stops being Wonder Momo and just becomes Momoko again. They find a way to fix that, but there's ramifications to that, and that causes problems later on. Momoko's mother, the original Wonder Momo, is a regular in the cast, as well as Momoko's school rival, who has the power suit too, because apparently there's a lot of these just lying all around in Japan. I... I am not culturally aware. All of them eventually team up to kick alien butt and difficulties ensue, including a slightly stalkery photographer guy that has a crush on Momoko and apparently comes from a weird element in the game. If Wikipedia isn't lying to me about the game, 
the art's fantastic, but my only complaint is that I often can't tell the difference between Momoko and her mother. Uh, the mother looks like she could be in high school, even though they say repeatedly that she's much older than that. This update's twice a week, and you can find it at shiftylook.com slash comics slash wondermomo. This comic earns a solid three stars from me, and it's worth a look if you enjoy web comics, but find yourself wanting to add a new one to the mix. Thanks, guys. Hello, Mega Spoilers. This is Andreas calling from the far side of the world. This time to give you my first opinion of the new Iron Man 3 movie. This is a spectacular superhero movie. Maybe not a great movie, but spectacular nonetheless. The storylines, of course, the extremists, the mashup of another mass fraction storyline that I really like and that I won't spoil. Robert Downey Jr. is, as always, excellent, and the Ben Kingsley Mandarin is just, well, I think it's perfect. Uh, the second act gets a bit cheesy, and I could do without a third act plot twist. But overall, I'll give it a set out of 10 stars. And apparently, someone at Marvel loves Matthew, because they let them do something in the movie for him. That's not your wink-wink. Well, that's all this time. See you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone, for calling and participating in uh, the Major Spoilers podcast. Always like it when people call in and share their thoughts. Um, somebody said the other this week is like, I thought your website and shows were family oriented. Uh, no, <laughs> that is uh, that is not the case. So if you think that uh, we're family oriented, did, we did we cuss someone out? I almost cussed this person out because they were accusing oh. me of things that's just like totally not true. It's like, no, maybe you just don't understand the demographic of people who come to the site. So uh, we assume that everyone who visits the site is adult. And if you're not an adult, then you probably ought to get your parents' permission before you click on some of those links. Uh, But in regards to Slappy's question about Sandman Mystery Theater, I do agree with you that Sandman Mystery Theater from the story standpoint is really good. And I did pick that up when Vertigo uh, was doing it back in the 90s. The reason why I didn't continue it was just as you pointed out, the art is not for everyone. Uh, but that may be something we can put down on the list in uh, upcoming uh, weeks and months. And I want to thank everyone who uh, shared your thoughts on the uh, Wonder Momo and the Iron Man review. And if you want to be part of the Major Spoilers podcast, all you need to do is call the Major Spoilers hotline at 785-727-1939. 785-727-1939. Leave a message, two minutes or less. And if it's really awesome, we will add it in the show. Also, if you want to hear this uh, show in its highest fidelity possible, considering that this is a compressed MP3 file, might I point you to tweakedaudio.com? Have you checked these things out, Zach? Oh, I have a pair of tweaked audio headphones, and they are wonderful. What makes them wonderful? They have such a nice, deep uh, sound quality that you are just going to completely enjoy your favorite indie band that no one knows about yet. <laughs> and if you happen to get a call... While you're in the middle of that, you just uh, hopefully have them in, and you can just start talking right away. Yeah, some of these have uh, mic options on them, so if you're listening to your your iPhone device and someone calls you, you just say answer and just say, hello, who is this? Why are you calling me? (laughs) Why am I I talking in British, (laughs) bad British accent? Um, But yeah, they're really wonderful. They come in a variety of different styles, a variety of different colors. I'm sure you're going to find one that uh, fits you perfectly. My favorite are the, uh, what are these, the PBs, the peanut butter ones, the PB earbuds. Uh, I like those a lot, uh, especially the ones that have the flat ribbon design because yes. they don't really tangle up. Never. 
Uh, normally, these things would sell between 20 and 35 bucks, maybe even higher, depending on the uh, kind you get. They actually have a wood earphone. Ooh. But if you use the checkout code MAJOR, when you check out, you will get 30%, one third off. So maybe that's like 33 and a third off the price of these headphones from our friends at tweakedaudio.com. We people, thank them for their support. If people call now, do they get another set free? <laughs> no, I don't. No. I'm not going to. No. Never no, mind. man. Never we mind. like Tweaked Audio as our sponsor. Yes. Uh, these are good guys, so though, I. but I know that there have been people who said, hey, um, I had these uh, headphones and they fell apart. And Tweaked Audio is just like, oh, well, we're sorry. We'll send you out a new pair right away. Mm-hmm. So they're really good company. And again, we're happy to have them as sponsors of uh, Major Spoilers. Let us now talk about Bloom County. What do we know about Bloom County, Rodrigo? Did you ever read Bloom County as a kid? Or was this before uh, your time? It's, I think it, uh, well, when did it end? 89? 89, yeah. Yeah, this is way, this is like before I even came to the United States. So, and I don't think it ever made it to Mexico. So I pretty much miss Bloom County. I did see oh, what was like the follow-up the, one, oh, like Outland. the Outland. They had o- yeah. Outland and Opus. Yeah. So I did read some Outland, but I had not. I mean, I I had read some Bloom County here and there, but it was either some kind of reprint or maybe in a book like this. I think my mm-hmm. library had collections of mm-hmm. of comic strips. So I would like pick up a bunch and be like, oh, Garfield is always the same joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the so the comic strip uh, by Berkeley breathed or breathed, breathed, breathed. I don't know how you say it. Uh, ran from December 8th, 1980 until August 6th, 1989. And it really kind of looked at life and politics from the viewpoint of a middle American fictional middle American town, although. As people have tried to pinpoint it over the years, some people say it's in Colorado, some people say it's in Iowa, some people say it's in uh, Des Moines, uh, um, not Des Moines, uh, Northern California. So it seems to be all over the place. But if you can think of a small town, that is a Bloom County. And so we get to see the world through its inhabitants. And in this volume, which is just uh, basically, you know, a year and a half, 1980 to 1982, um, we get introduced to some of the core characters, Milo, Cutter John, Steve Dallas, Binkley. Uh, Opus only appears a little bit. Bill the Cat, which is probably the most famous character next to Opus that came out of Bloom County, isn't even in this first volume that we're looking at. Um, and we get introduced to Oliver just briefly uh, as well as a number of other characters. What were you going to say, Rodrigo? Oh, no, I was just – and I think Opus, quote-unquote, appears, but he's just like an unnamed penguin. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah, he's only he's only in the I guess he was in there for like uh, two or three weeks or I'm sorry, two or three strips. Um, And then he disappeared for like six months. So it's not until the second volume where we see him come back. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember when Bill the Cat originally appeared, I think in 82, summer of 82 um, when he appeared. And so really, those two characters are not here in this first volume. And I guess. What are your, Zach, what is your thought about this first volume of Bloom County? There's a reason why I kind of picked Bloom County, the first volume. Uh, I know we had talked about looking at volume four, but by the time you get into volume four, it's really into some crazy adventure type stuff. I mean, it's it's yeah. really, really good. I mean, the strip just gets better and better from here. Um, but by then you you get dropped into characters and situations that I don't know if that would be appropriate. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on this. I thought reading this, and I... Um, growing up, I never really consistently read a traditional newspaper comic strip, uh, to ever get 
a complete story. Sometimes I'd grab it on a Sunday and I would read all the colored ones and that's all I would read. And that was sparingly at best. So being able to sit down and read a, an entire year of uh, a strip was, I really enjoyed it because you get all introduced to a lot of some characters and there's some funny bits and you kind of, it just keeps growing and growing and growing and it's just continues to be funny. That's what I liked about it. Uh, But you enjoyed it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I guess one of the things that's rather unique about this book and this, this one that we're reviewing is from IDW publishing. It's the big hardbound volume. Uh, I think they've got four volumes published. I've got them all. They're really nice. Uh, we also reviewed this on digital uh, mm-hmm. digital version, so this is available from Comixology. But the way this is published is it's one strip per page, uh, and then eh, probably about every 10 pages or so, you get commentary from uh, Berkeley uh, where he's giving you some insight of, okay, here's where this happened, here's where this mm-hmm. happened, or maybe for Zach and Rodrigo – Mm-hmm. Some historical some perspective. Explained what the jokes actually meant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And some of them are like really specific. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, unless you know who Haig is or n- unless you know who Sadat is, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times this becomes very dated because yeah. we're not dealing with Cold War stuff anymore, which is, you know, this is right at the height of the Cold War when a lot of this is going on. So if you're not familiar with that historical stuff, I can see this not being interesting to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, what's your overall thoughts? Did you like this first volume? Uh, it, it was kind of hit and miss for me. I think that you know what what was most fascinating about it is it was the commentary of him being like, "Yeah, I have no idea where I was going with this kind of stuff." Yeah, you know, because it, it does give you an insight into his uh, kind of uh, his method. You know what would eventually be a, a much more solid and and you know, critically acclaimed, publicly acclaimed uh, strip. Um, it's also interesting that he talks about how he had only ever read Doonesbury. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was a huge influence. And you can see it. His drawings in this volume are very, uh, was it Trudeau? Is that oh, yeah, yeah. Gary Trudeau, yeah. I mean, you right. look at Steve Dallas and his nose. Oh, abs- that's a, absolutely. That is a perfect example of uh, a Trudeau um, character. Character, basically. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, part of the reason why I, I said let's go with this is because we get to see a comic strip evolve mm-hmm. uh, in its first year. And what amazes me is – and I, w- I would really like to get, like, uh, a real newspaper comic strip person on to maybe talk about this. Maybe things were different in the 80s where people were just throwing money at you to do a comic series. But he basically had a college strip, and then he went right into the syndicated strip. Yeah. And he doesn't even know what it's about. And he's like, I don't know. I'm just telling little funny stories. And you see him saying, okay, this is a blatant ripoff of Doonesbury. And Trudeau called me on it years later. And I agree. And this character is inspired by Garfield. And this one comes from here. And you just keep reading it. And you're seeing everything evolve. And you get to a point in this first volume where he says, with the introduction of Binkley, this is where the book. And it's about a half a year in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Binkley is introduced, he says, this is where... Bloom County starts to solidify and I start having an idea of where it goes. And then we start the introduction of Steve Dallas, who's the public defender in the uh, city, kind of a sleazy kind of eighties guy. Mm -hmm. And um, he's like, and right here is the point where it becomes even more solid. And he keeps saying and points out these places in the book where this is where I'm starting to form what will become this big, huge thing that lasted an entire decade just for Bloom County alone, and then five more years with Opus and Outland, or Outland and then Opus. Um, 
So that's what I really, really like about this. But yeah, the influences are without a doubt there. Um, the Do you mind political commentary in these kind of cartoons, in these kind of comic strips? Because there's a lot of it in there. Societal uh, commentary, political the, commentary. The, the societal commentary is fine. Um, and it's interesting. Like the, the most, probably the most interesting part about that is them being like, Oh, ha, 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 Iran. <laughs> We're still dealing <laughs> with with issues in Iran. You know, it's like, right. it's, it's, it's in a way sad to see that a lot of the, like the problems have mutated, but they're still from the same people or from the same areas. Oh, oh, so you're saying it's, oh, we're recycling all of that again. It's yeah, funny that I mean, 20 years ago we were making yes. fun of this and 20 years later we're still dealing we're still with this. Right. And and to a certain degree it went away and came back. It's just kind of timely that, you know, uh, you know, there's always been issues in, in the Middle East. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that stuff, that stuff's interesting. Uh, anytime that the punchline is, some guy's last name that I'm like, oh, well, I, I honestly have no idea who that is. And then I read underneath and it's like, oh, it was a very uh, Republican senator from somewhere. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. well, that was probably funny at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if there wasn't any of that commentary, like most of this, especially like a lot of the first stuff would just fall completely flat. You're like, oh, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. And I barely get it now, but at least there's some explanation of, what he was going for. And I guess if you really wanted to young Zach, you could go and look a lot of this stuff up I and could, yeah. have some more information on it. There is this thing called Wikipedia. Or I could just keep reading. Or you can just keep he reading. explains yes. history to me. through. His you know, f- for me, and, and I, I kind of wish Matthew were here because I know he wanted to talk about Bloom County uh, this week, but RWJ's uh, major spoilers funding goat. Um, Rouge. Rouge. <laughs> one of the things that, and I guess before really getting into comic books, it was the paper came and that was your source of news. That and mm-hmm. the one-hour news that you got at um, 5 o'clock and then again at 10 o'clock at night where you could sit down and find out world events. But for me, it was the paper gets delivered. You rush out and you grab it from the mailbox. You come in and you open it up and you read it. And dad wants the sports section and mom wants the home living section or whatever. And for me, it'd be like I'd start at the beginning and I had to at one point just hold myself back because it's like, you know what? The best part of the newspaper is the comic strips. And that is – for us, it was the last page of the main section of the newspaper before you got into the sports section. Mm-hmm. And so I would take the time and I would read every page. I would read the editorial cartoons and then I would get to the comic section and I had a very specific way of reading it. <laughs> okay. I had to read the crappy comics first, right? Of course. So Family course. Circus, Garfield, Beetle Bailey, <laughs> and then uh, you can get into the Al Caps and the uh, more the, the great ones. And I would always end up with, and I never had Bloom County in our paper, but my grandparents did in the Kansas city star. And, uh, I would always end up with Calvin and Hobbes, uh, as the last mm-hmm. strip that I read. And so we'll be looking at Calvin and Hobbes, uh, in a couple of weeks. But, um, when I would go up to Kansas city, I would specifically ask my grandmother and we were up there about, uh, every week or so, every couple of weeks, no longer than a month, but I would have my grandmother save the comic section out of the Kansas city star for me. So that when I got up there, I would just sit there and read Bloom County and some of the other, uh, the Al cap type uh, bits that were there, wizard of id, that kind of stuff. Um, when I'd go visit and she saved those for me and that was really great. And that's how really I found out about Bloom County. And even as a, 
I don't know, 10 year old. You're not all up on world events. So yeah, a lot of these jokes went over my head too. Right. Right. Or I just, you know, would laugh along with everyone else in my imaginary <laughs> head. Oh yeah, yeah. I get that too. Ha 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 ha. But um, this first volume is really rough in places. Because you are seeing characters trying to find their place in the world, uh, just like young Milo. I mean, this book is all about him going through pu- puberty this first mm-hmm. year and having to deal with early male pattern baldness and puberty <laughs> and hair growing on his back and trying to make it with the ladies and all these kinds of things. Um, so you see him finding his, his footing, Binkley finding his footing. Um, but it's still just fascinating to see the evolution of a creator in this time. And I think we'll kind of see that too in the other books that we're going to read. Cause I do want to look at the first year of peanuts and the first year of Calvin and Hobbes in this. And I think we're going to see some of the same things forming. Mm. What are things that don't work for you in this book? I think it's, it is kind of aimless. I think, you know, if weirdly, because I am not ingesting it once a week, it seems that, you know, there'll be two strips back to back that, have similar themes, but one of them's kind of funny, and one of them's like, eh, pretty funny, but there's kind of nothing really going on in the strip. There's no, like, the characters aren't cemented to the point where you're like, oh, man, that is such a Milo thing to say. It's just kind of... Uh, it's just kind of all over the place without um, without any real hook to it. For, for a good long while, um, I think it's um, what's-his-name Dallas that actually, for me, mm-hmm. really starts bringing it in when, like, now there's a character to hate right. Right. that actually makes it a lot more interesting. Yeah. Um, what are the influential comic strips for you guys? Um, I read Zits a lot when I was in high school. No, you don't read Zits. You look at Zits in the mirror, Zach. Well, that's true. Okay. So Zits, you like Zits? Yeah, my dad always had like a one of those rip it things. It had the all oh, the yeah, strips the like on the calendar, so mm-hmm. I read that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, that would be one I generally read in the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, Wizard of Id, I recognized when you said that. I remember I probably read read that a couple times in the paper. Mm-hmm. But besides that, not uh, not much really. No Far Side, which was another favorite. You know, Calvin Hobbes was yeah, last in, in my read list, but Far Side was right next to it. Mm-mm. What about you? Uh, Rodrigo. Apartment 3G. <laughs> I was I was actually always fascinated by those drama yeah, um, yeah, yeah. strips because I never I never saw them from week to week. It was always like two or three weeks later I would pick it up and they would be in like a completely different situation <laughs> yeah, or something yeah. like that. What is Rachel like, Starr doing now? Exactly. Rachel Starr. Uh, wait, no, that's a that's a different book, but that's a that's a porn star. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it is. Sorry, <laughs> Brenda Star. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> shame on you for knowing this, that, Rodrigo. <laughs> this podcast is not family friendly. <laughs> Blue Arg. No, um, but uh, like the Phantom, like uh, the action ones too, because they were like serials. Uh huh. So, you know, the, the Phantom and um, Spider-Man and all that stuff. And, yeah. like, from week to week, like, I didn't read them. So I'd be like, oh, no, Spider-Man's in the clutches of the Green Goblin. How will he ever escape? And then I'd look at the next one, and he's just, like, an entire strip is just, like, Mary Jane thinking about something. Yeah, yeah. And the, bad, <laughs> the, the hard part about some of those is 
and really for a lot of comic strips, is you're looking at four panels yeah. to tell your story. Yeah. And I think that from a storytelling perspective, it's really great when you can get a setup and a punchline in four panels. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, you know, I honestly think that one of the things that we're missing, I, I, I'm, you know, I am, I appreciate print, but I'm not going to be totally sad when it's completely gone, right? Yeah. But one of the things that we're losing in our newspapers uh, is that culture of the comic strip in the newspaper where you're telling your setup in four panels mm-hmm. and then it's then it's gone. Now, the flip side to that, though, is the webcomic, right? right? And the webcomic has kind of replaced the newspaper strip. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at most, most webcomics today, they follow that four-panel, five-panel format. And sometimes they'll do the uh, six-panel or eight-panel Sunday color uh, edition. Is that a... Are the web comics the the replacement of newspaper strips today? The PVPs, the uh, the penny arcades, the the list goes on and on. I think I think that they are to a certain degree. They're not occupying exactly the same space, but they're. Mm-hmm. It's more like they're carrying on the tradition mm-hmm. rather than necessarily replacing them because they're not being replaced by like the the comic strip is not being replaced by anything. Newspapers are being replaced by internet news sites that don't have any reason to have a comic strip on their site. So it's like the comic strip was already an art was was an artifact of the age. The reason why comic strips look the way they do is because they have to fit into oh, a yeah, newspaper. Yeah. Right. You know, and that is not the case anymore either. I mean, now a comic strip can or, or a, a web comic can have as many panels as they want, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they, there is no space con, uh, constraint or anything like that. But the guys that were putting these together back in the day, the guys that were actually good and were actually funny did crack that formula of that, you know, anywhere between three and five panels, but usually four panels of kind of set up kind of, light misdirection kind of thing second setup for the massive punchline in the last panel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of stuff you know it's like what, 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 what. oh and then they like jump backwards and you hear a big, there's a big plop like uh off off screen as they like faint from how hilarious this all was <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. you know yeah um but yeah i mean i i don't think that like it's like um, comic strips grew feathers and flew away to somewhere else, and that's why that's what web comics are. I don't think they occupy the same space as um, as comic strips. Mm, okay, all right. Do you have anything else you want to add to that, Zach, or commentary, or uh, in, um, in support of, or not in support of? No, I think he's. I think he's got it. Pretty much right. For the, I don't. I haven't really read that many. I really webcomics wasn't either. attention, Mr. Rodrigo. Uh, I mean, what? I would say that if we look at PVP and um, all the stuff he does and other web comics, that they're allowed to, much like the internet has brought about, is a more uh, niche kind of thing mm-hmm. where you're allowed to do um, an entire web comic about people playing Dungeons and Dragons. Sure. And what happens in that and different situations that would not necessarily be able to make it into the Washington Post or whatever uh, newspaper you're reading because they have to appeal to a 
much wider audience than... At one point, at the height of its uh, popularity, Bloom County was read in over 1,200 newspapers across the U.S. Wow. That's a lot. That's, That's a huge sentence. That is a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> Today, there may not even be, you know, 100 newspapers. I don't know. <laughs> Did you guys have a favorite strip or storyline from this book, from this first volume, that um, really stands out? I I love the Binkley football stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because that happened, yeah. and I was like, hey... That's that's me. Yeah, yeah. I hated football. <laughs> I never wanted to kick because it never made sense. Like, why would I let someone do this to me? I was like, oh, now I really like this comic strip because I'm in it. <laughs> Zach is Binkley. Yes. <laughs> do you wear a tutu? Um, I have before. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, Rodrigo? Um, I like the... The mirror conversations were cute. The The... Like the, the racial stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Was <laughs> was cool. I mean, it was because it was from that point of view of like white people don't know what they're doing. Look, kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> Which you know, when I mean, it made it made a lot. Of, I think it made a lot of sense at the time, definitely. And some would say still does, depending on who exactly you're dealing with. But I mean, it was interesting to see and the commentary on that of being like, I could not could not do that strip nowadays. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. this would not mm-hmm. fly. Right. I, I don't know if there was any one favorite in, uh, for me. I do. And this is, again, something that we can dive into a little deeper, especially when we get to to Peanuts next week and Calvin and Hobbes is Milo. Is saying very adult things inside a child's body. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times that does lead to humor because it's like, oh, you know, this little child is saying all this stuff. How funny. Or he says these things that he does not know what they mean. And it becomes even funnier. Um, it's like the the insight is there, but the knowledge is not. Right. And I think that that, and again, I want to go into this a little deeper when we go on. Um, but I think those are very, a very interesting way to make a commentary because they come out of the mouth of a child. So therefore it's not as offensive if it comes out of a Doonesbury character, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did like the Milo puberty stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I did find that very and, funny. Like talking to the mirror, and talking whatnot. to the mirror. Yeah. And what we see Binkley do a little bit of that in this volume, but eventually his psychoses or his hangups or whatever get the better of him. And he ends up having conversations with monsters in his closet uh, later on. So if you want to get those other volumes, Zach, I have them. You can borrow them or whatever if you want to go check that out. Cool. Since you and Binkley identify with one another yes. so much. Binkley and I together. Um, so, bottom line, I have all of these volumes. I When the first one was announced, I'm like, I'm buying this. Don't care how much it costs. I'm snagging these. These are going into my collection so that years from now, I have these really nice hardbound collections of some of my things from my youth. And I mean, the Calvin and Hobbes one will kill you if you drop it on you. Um, but Bloom County in the first volume is really, really rough. So unless people are really looking to see the evolution of the comic strip and the creator and the art, because the art does improve from the first strip to the Mm -hmm. last strip in this first volume, unless you want to see that evolution, this is not a must go out and buy book. I think starting with volume two, that's where you want to pick things up. But I really think people owe it to themselves to look at this and read it and see how, the strips have has evolved. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, I mean Zach, what about you? Yeah, I think if you can, if you know someone like Stephen that has one of these volumes, and you're allowed to borrow it for 
a, a while, so you don't have to like try to rush through and read an entire year of strips in uh, like two days day. or a day or something. But you're allowed to have, just kind of have it, have, kind of have it around, and you'll, you can uh, just skim through a couple panels here and there. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a really great way to go about reading this because it is funny, but I think if you kind of just stretch out the stretch out when you're reading it, how long you're allowed to read it, it'd be enjoyable. So if you can borrow it, I would say. Rodrigo? I would agree. I think that um, this is proto-Bloom County. You know, if you enjoyed it in its later iterations, then and you want to see where it came from, then yes, definitely. It's like those weird episodes of Family Guy when they when like Lois talked like a normal person and mm-hmm. didn't have an accent or anything mm-hmm. like that and like Brian sits down like a dog. Right. Um it's it's that kind of thing. So that is interesting in a way. But if you have no real connection to Bloom County, kind of like I did, because I only picked up like the sequel strips every once in a while Mm -hmm. um i would say pass there's not a lot here that you're not going to see done a little bit better in strips like calvin and Hobbes and doonesbury and stuff like that this was very experimental stuff that eventually coalesces into something decent but in the latter part of the book you know, I try to put up on the website what we're going to review ahead of time so that people can comment on it. Usually it goes up the same day that we're recording the show. So I understand when people don't have a chance to go in and comment. And I certainly understand, and hopefully people understand that sometimes I get busy with other things and forget to go and look and see if people made a comment. But um, Mela uh, posted a, a comment that I think really nailed all of my thoughts and I think a lot of people's thoughts about Bloom County. Uh, she says, Bloom County is hands down my favorite comic strip. It was a little more fresh face than Calvin and Hobbes, had a bit more meat to it than the far side and was my window into then current events. This is an interesting volume since you can tell that uh, Breathed or Breathed is still trying to find a focal point of the strip, bouncing between the boarding house, the school, Steve's love life, etc. The characters are starting to be sketched out, but still feel a bit off, especially Binkley being a stereotypical girly boy instead of a bundle of anxieties he'd become. And you can tell that he was still taking a lot of influences from Doonesbury at this point, to which he has admitted. Uh, But for anyone who enjoyed the strip's heyday or just want a time capsule into the early 80s, this is a must-have volume. So... And I commented, I said, well, that pretty much sums up my my (laughs) overall thoughts. But again, it's unless you really want that glimpse into the creator, um, do go out and borrow it. And I think some really good libraries have that, uh, have those on on a file somewhere. Okay, everybody, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you for uh, listening and being a part of the Major Spoilers experience. Next week, as I mentioned, we are taking a look at the first volume of the Complete Peanuts, 1950 to 1952, the North American version. These are those uh, little squat bundles that have uh, early Charlie Brown on the cover. Why are we looking at these? Well, we already mentioned it's uh, Newspaper Comics uh, Month, and we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers Forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Batman's great vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as that comic book store guy knew, he kicked me. 
my butt out on the corner. Yeah, what a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Oh, wait, I think I found a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just buzz through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all those tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I bag and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to keep up on all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being caught up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a king set though it's Copyright 2013.